What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Podcast with Frank, the podcast where we talk about movies, TV shows, and much, much more. But this week, we're going to change it up a little bit. I want to start having guests on my show that are creators and uh, have interesting jobs. So my very first uh, special guest for Podcast with Frank is my good friend Salash. He was our safari guide in Africa. No. <laughs> Um, amazing guy, taught us so much, took care of us so, uh, so well, uh, down there, or up there. Would that be considered down there or up there for Africa? Well, it's traditional that people say down there. Down there, yes. <laughs> Definitely more traditional to say that, yeah. Um, but yeah, how are we doing today, Slosh? We're doing incredibly well, and I'm so glad and happy that I'm here visiting with you, and yeah. I feel at home. Awesome. That's great to hear. So you would say you, you've been enjoying the States? i tell you what, I've been here for the last two days and I've been here a few more times before. Not necessarily New Jersey, sure, but other parts of America. And I have never landed in America when the weather is so glorious. Yeah. Yesterday we walked on the beach yep. for a good course mm -hmm. and it felt like home. Definitely. It did feel like home and, you know, it was so rejuvenating to be on my feet in America and I ain't complaining about the weather. That's all. Yeah, right. <laughs> you really did come at a good time because before you came, like three or f like two or three days in a row, it was raining out. So you, you really did come at a good time where the weather was really nice. Um, the walk that he's talking about is a breast cancer walk that we've done in Asbury. Like you said, it, it was for a great cause. We were down uh, at the Asbury Park Beach, and we even crossed over into Ocean Township as well. We walked, I believe, two miles? I think it was like a 2K walk. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was really enjoyable. Was that the first time that you were by the beach in the States? I think in the U.S., yes. That's the first time I was in what my perception of a beach is. I've been too close to water in places like Maine, but we didn't have any sandy beaches like those. Yeah. But that, that, that felt like a real beach. Oh yeah. That's what a definition of a beach is in my brain. <laughs> well, you're absolutely right on, yeah. that, on that definition there. Um, so how's Africa been? We, uh, you know, we were down there last year. Uh, it's been more than a year now since, since uh, we've been there. Um, you know, weather was pretty great there and everything. How's it, how's it going over there? Well, time flies. Um, I can't believe it's just over a year and, well, Africa is as, in, is as interesting as usual. Mm. As good as usual. Good weather, it gets a little warmer. Well, less rain than here. Yeah. But it's Africa. It's quite interesting. It's enjoyable. It's amazing. Mm. It's lovely. Awesome. We, we, we love our weather, we love our wildlife, we love our everything. That's what I loved when I was down there, because everyone's so appreciative of everything, you know, down there. It, it really is fantastic. Um, so yeah, you do safari guides down there. You bring people over to the animals, try to get close up with the animals, um, and the markets, the villages over by there. How many... Safari guides, would you say you do a year? Um, I would say now that I do what I am doing, which is basically working for myself mm. and getting contracts to guide people, not necessarily the people that I plan their safaris. Right. If I'm not planning safaris for somebody, 
somebody is hiring me to guide an already planned safari. Gotcha. So in that connection, I would say if I were to distribute the times that I guide in a year, at least I have an opportunity to guide once every month. Okay. So ain't bad, you know. Sometimes, like, the kind of guiding that I do, which is nature and wildlife, mm -hmm. basically is all anchored on what we call the high and the low seasons. Gotcha. Which are also governed by the kind of clientele that we get, which is um, normally from America and Europe, and they tend to come over when the kids are on holiday. And right. that's when the season goes high. Mm -hmm. So that bit of time towards the end of the year, sometimes around November, um, July up to about October, mm -hmm. and a bit in the beginning of the year, we get pretty busy. Yeah. And then the middle of the year gets a little slower because of rainfall and weather. Right. And also what goes on in America and in England, maybe, or Europe in terms of schools. Mm hmm then it goes down, which is acceptable. Right. So, if you distribute the amount of times that you guide in this busy period, mm -hmm. and in the less busy period, I would say I get an opportunity to do guiding every once a month for some times. So, 12, 12 guiding jobs, basically. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so, you talk about how, like, it, it's a busier season when the when the kids are off, like you said, October-ish, like, you know, it'll be uh, kind of busy or like more December, like during Ju the winter. July, July to October, it gets busy and gets slow in November. Mm -hmm. And then around the Christmas time and New Year, we get a few people who come to celebrate these festivities with us. Right. Yeah. So you're going to be pretty busy once you, once you get back. Yeah, when I get back, I've got two weeks and then I'm on the road for 10 days towards the end of June. All right. Yeah. And is that going to the same places that uh, you took us, like as far as uh, shelters and whatnot, you know, pl places where we were sleeping at? Actually, some of it is around there and some of it is in another place. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Have you had any, uh, like, interesting animal stories uh, since, since we left? Anything, any cool things happen that was unexpected? Well, there's, there's, interestingly, there's always something happening. I mean, out there, it's like a book. It's just a chapter of the other, and you never cease to learn things. You think you've been doing that for a while and know everything, and you go out one day, and what you see is like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I saw the other day a group of hyenas mm. fighting over uh, food with lions. And I've never seen courage like that because it was like about five or six lions with like 10 or 15 hyenas. And that's an interesting equation. Yeah. You'd think the lions would stand there. Stand their ground. Their grounds, but you know, the hustle was too much from hyenas and just like the lions decided to take off. <laughs> <laughs> so that's really interesting. Wow, it's, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, I know. Normally, when there are too many hyenas compared to the lions, yeah, the lions probably will run away. Okay. And especially if there's no male lions, because male lions are a bit ruthless to the hyenas. But the equation that I saw, which was like two hyenas for a lion, to me was like, mm, 
you lions gotta pull your socks up. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So it was two hyenas against one. Um, I mean, it's about fifteen hyenas. Oh wow! Okay. With about six, seven lions. But huh. They they hustled these lions and they just, the lions just said, "Well, we've had enough." Of yeah, they're like, "Forget this." Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> usually, isn't it most cases that it's the other way around as? Like, the hyenas won't want to fight. Like, if they find food that no one else is near, it's like, yes, I'm going for that. You know, if they see a lion coming or in the way, like we saw when we were down there, they darted off, you know? Yeah, exactly. When when they're smart, they're pretty brainy, the hyenas, mm. and they can sense that, yeah, we can handle this situation. Yeah. And sometimes when they see that it's almost impossible, they just take off. And I don't know whether you remember when I say that actually hyenas kill more than lions. Oh, yeah? They do 60% of what they eat is what they kill for themselves and, oh. and scavenge only 40%. And the lions is vice versa. It's the other way around. So I would have never thought that. Uh, that's the case. Interesting. That's the case. Hmm. I remember you telling me that you thought hyenas were one of the most like fascinating animals. They really, in I your love opinion, them. Yeah. I love them. I mean, they they live a very interesting lifestyle, and I like. Uh, they don't look glamorous, but right. the substance in them is just incredible. Yeah, yeah. So you would say that's your favorite animal? I love it. It's my favorite. It's my favorite animal. I enjoy every other animal. Yeah, but you know, people really have a totally different perception of the hyenas mm -hmm. purely because they don't have a good PR right right but I think I mean that 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 perception should be changed they're fascinating animals yeah yeah and I, I mean they that de you definitely opened my eyes to them when we were down there too I feel like a trip like this you really you know being right there with them you know, it will change your perspective, you know, on, on certain animals and, and the way they eat, they, they live, and whatnot. I mean, one of my favorite animals, for sure, is the lion. I love the lions, especially the male lions. Even though I give much respect to the female lions who do all the hunting and, and hard work, basically, you know. We saw so many male lions just sleeping there and just trying to find shade, you know. Um, but... Yeah, it's, it is it is fascinating. Lions, and I think I want to say hippos, were one of my favorite things to see down there. Yeah, lions, lions are quite interesting. I mean, the dynamics of the pride of lions or lion families are unbelievable. Sometimes people think that the female lions do a lot, mm. which they do. I've got no objection to that, but I almost equate it to the business of economies of scale. Okay. You know, you're like, we distribute the job and division of labor. The male lion basically protects the home. Right. And the babies. Mm -hmm. Right? And comes in when they're hunting big animals and trying to pull the animals down. Right. And the females go get food. So, if you don't have somebody who protects an area that you're getting food from, mm -hmm. then it becomes difficult. Right, right. So, again, I can see why you have respect for the big boys because they also have a place in the in their society. So it, it, everyone's contributing in the in the oh, pride. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
Um, it's it, it's like funny though still because the male line is like that stay at home mom, you know, taking care of the kids, like you were saying type of deal. I find that pretty funny. Yeah. Um, how's the weather <laughs> been down there? Well, actually, last year, as soon as you guys left, we had a bit more rain than usual. Yeah. And it was long and heavy. Mm. And then this year, the weather is good. It's just a little warm and a little less rain. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Do you guys get, like, any flooding situations ever when it comes with rain? From my personal point of view, I've started to realize that the weathers tend to get to the extreme when the rains come. Mm -hmm. It's probably either too windy or too heavy. Yeah. And it just pounds and we get flash floods. Mm. As opposed to the good old traditional rain, which just gently rained yeah. in the rainy season for a long time and gets everything right. These days, it's like it comes and it comes heavy. Right. When, when it goes then the sun comes a little heavier as well. Gotcha, gotcha. So something is suddenly happening out there, whether it's global warming or otherwise, mm -hmm. but it's not the same. Hmm. Would you say it changes up like every year? Do you think it'll be a different type of weather pattern every year? It's all very unpredictable now. Yeah. It's not the same. It rains when you least expect and stops rain when you really expect it. Right. Yeah. I remember uh, I was learning how to drive stick in those Jeeps down there, too. It's, you know, I keep on thinking about that. And, uh, you know, we have a couple of, uh, you know, sticks here. You know, I've been meaning to, to get back in one of those cars and try to refresh my memory with it. But I, I would say that was another real enjoyable part uh, when driving down there. And the funny thing about the Jeeps, when we were down there, you were helping out two to three people that got stuck in, in either mud, mud pits or something like that. Have you had to do any more of those since we left? <laughs> I enjoy it, not only to help them, but, you know, <laughs> it feels good when you know that you can get out. And you know what? These the getting stuck is something that happens to everybody. Yeah. It happens to me too, so every time I see somebody that is stuck, I've got to swing by and yeah. try and assist because I go through the same thing. And yeah. I also get stuck. I mean, it's an interesting. It's interesting driving out in the bush. It's either too wet or you're crossing a river without a bridge and you get rocks under the belly. Right. <laughs> it's it's it goes on like that. Like mm -hmm. actually, yeah. About um, three months ago, it rained cats and dogs, and I was out with guests, and you know. Just one little ceiling mistake, and I was took for f about 10 minutes. Oh, did it? Yeah. So, I've had to help people, and they've had to help me. It's always good there's that knowing that. I was like, if there is another Jeep coming nearby, they will help out. Because it's really, you know, it can become a sticky situation if you're in a bad part of the bush, you know, like where there are certain animals around. You don't necessarily want to get out of your Jeep. Obviously, you guys are more experienced and, and would know what to do in that sense. Um, but it's always good to know that you got that somebody have your back if, you know, if they're passing by seeing you stuck. Oh, yeah. We all got to have some nice, happy faces on each other because yeah. if it's not me, it's you. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, so, yeah. The, so, this is Acilia. Am yeah. I saying that right? Yeah. Acilia is the name of the safari guide company, 
or is that the camp? That is actually a company that has got the facilities that people stay in. Gotcha. When they can, having worked for them before, I went independent. Mm -hmm. I independently represent them, and so I just hook them up and gotcha. set people up with them. Oh, very cool. And then I get involved when people make their minds and come to the other side, and I get really involved with them because I am the one who... Who's in, bringing the people. Yeah, I bring the people, and I bring to that facility because they have um, very, very good um, cams and lodges, and I'm so glad to be associated with them. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah. So when you first started uh, with the safari guides, well, did did you first start with Acilia? And I know you didn't start off as a guide at first. Nobody does. But is Acilia the company that you started with once getting into all this as, as your career? As a guide? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's when I, when I started working, Acilia came into Kenya, I think, about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And it came to the company that I worked for. Yeah. And so they took over part of it, and us guys hanged down in the houses, and we hanged with the houses that you guys stayed in mm -hmm. for a while, before the same company that acquired the camp that was a sister to the houses decided that, well, I think it's also a good addition to the portfolio yeah. to have our houses within the company, because we've got clients and guests with different needs, mm -hmm. very varied needs. Some people enjoy the houses because it's like staying in a home mm -hmm. and then the camp is a camp ampions and some people like staying in camps. And when they came in, I used to work for that company. And then they came in again and acquired the houses. So I worked for it and I think my career started taking off from there within the last 15 or so years. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great part about the company. It's like they have all different kinds of housing that you could stay at. We did three houses. Well, first was the tents. Yeah. The second one was the Topi house. Yeah. It was like our own little personal house. Yeah. And then the third one was almost like a, like a two house mansion, you know? Yeah. Um, and as, you know, it the two-house mansion, it sounds awesome, which it was. I still think my favorite was the tents. I thought that was my favorite experience when we were staying down there. I think it was more about, for me, being immersed in the wild kind of deal. You know what I mean? Yeah, as I said, we have guests with varied needs. Yeah. And some people who would want... We've had situations where I guess that we want to come, but we get a bit worried of the tents. Mm. It's only a one-inch... <laughs> or one inch wall between you and the rest of the world. Right. And right. so we have clients or prospective um, customers who would want to bring their families, mm -hmm. sometimes young families and kids. And these houses work perfectly for them as you saw. Right. You I mean you get in there and you own it and it's a cottage with all the facilities that you can imagine and that works for them. Mm -hmm. Now when you want to immerse yourself, I know you also immerse yourself in nature when you're in the houses, mm -hmm. but the comes, the, the, the feeling yes. of being under a canvas yeah. and the lion roaring up there <laughs> or an elephant 
trumpeting yeah. is just <laughs> impacting. It is unbelievable. And as you say, it's it's one of the uh, most um, enjoyable experiences when you're in the wild. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, even in that, that like, uh, mansion... We were, like you said, still immersed in in the wild. We had, you know, monkeys climbing all on the roofs and everything. You know, uh, <laughs> we saw the elephants come by to get a drink of water in our backyard. Oh, that was amazing. Yeah. You know, very cool. Um, a couple of months ago, I want to bring this up to you j just to see how you feel about it. Uh, when we were down there, you showed us the rhino sanctuary. And there were those two uh, male rhinos, I believe it was. It was two male rhinos. And when I was editing the Frank Adventures, you know, the news came out that the last northern uh, white male rhino passed away. And I was like, wow, like that, you know, just being at that rhino sanctuary and, and you know, hearing this, it's like, it, damn, you know, like it's, it's hard. For, it seems to be hard for them to, you know, be sticking around. Um, what are your thoughts on, on the last male rhino, last northern male rhino, and was that anywhere that we were at? We were not there. The last male northern white mm -hmm. rhino was a good kind of 300 km, 250 kilometers sort of northeast of where we were Okay. in another sanctuary, mm -hmm. and it was the last one in the world. I know they harvested cement to try and see well and freeze it to see whether they can actually perpetuate its genes. Right. But the ones we saw are southern white rhinos. Gotcha. Gotcha. So gotcha. these are two. Di we have. We had the northern white rhino, southern white rhino, and the black rhinos. Mm. So the one we saw that were introduced are the southern white rhinos. Right. And. As is the case across the spectrum, you know, human beings have taken over a lot of um, the wildlife habitat across the spectrum. Not in Africa, not in Europe, but all over the world. Yeah. So obviously there is pressure. Yeah. The good thing is there is a whole lot of other good people who are trying hard to try and make moves that will conserve yeah. these habitats for wildlife. Which is great. Yeah, absolutely great. That is awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, you know, awareness is a big step into figuring out how we could, you know, solve solve the issues and whatnot. Um, it is unfortunate that the last northern one uh, passed away. Um, and I, when we were down there, I only remember seeing one black rhino in the wild and it was like kind of a small one. It, it, you might have not been in the Jeep with us. It might have been Fred. I remember when we, were it was with when you, we right? drove around the hill. Yes. Try and catch it by uh, going into the It kept bushes. on going in the bushes. Yes, yes. That, that was a black one, right? That was a black one. And in the Mara, they are native. I mean, those ones are the ones that have been there since time immemorial. Okay. And they tend to be a little wilder compared to the white one. Gotcha, gotcha. I remember when we were down, right as we got to the, the sanctuary, the two northern white rhinos, they were, they were clanking their horns together. I, I, I wish I got that on camera. That was so cool to see. That was very cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
All right, I think we're going to just start to, to wrap it up here. Um, I want to promote Acilia. It's fantastic. You know, their camping is fantastic. Like Salash said, it's really anything that goes to your needs and where you want to stay. Uh, you know, they have it there. They got it. It's, 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 it's a great company. I believe in it. Mm -hmm. And I used to be a part of it. And I'm still involved. And I can sell it any time of the day. Mm -hmm. Because I know that they've got the varieties that people need. Yeah. They've got a portfolio. Mm -hmm. And whether it's Kenya or Tanzania, they're there and they take good care. Their services are genuine. Awesome. Um, so yeah, if if you want Slosh himself, which I highly suggest to be your Africa guide because he taught us so much and he took care of us so well, we're going to leave the information down below in the link. Um, also, if you like this episode, like, subscribe, and share, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast with Frank. Salash, I want to thank you again for uh, joining me on this podcast here as our very as our first special guest. Uh, I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Frank. And as I said, it feels like home. I can't really explain the magnitude of the hospitalities you guys are extending into us and to me and. Thank you so much. Of course, man. Thank you so much. I can't thank you enough. You guys help. You helped us out so much in Africa. We have to. We have to help you out over here, man. Like, come on now. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, all right, that'll do it for us. We'll see you next time on podcast with Frank. Peace out. First question for you is: there were, were there any dangerous encounters that you've had with guests during your tour guides? As a matter of fact, um, I would be more scared of the taxis in New York. <laughs> Bonkers. Bonkers. Some people think I'm bonkers, but I just think I'm free. And I'm just living my life, there's nothing crazy about me. Some people pay for thrills, but I get mine for free.